Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of underdog today i have an incredible amazing rock star guest of mine here sergio how are you my friend i'm wonderful thanks for having me on pamela it's such an honor and a privilege as always whenever i'm surrounded by greatness it, it only brings my game up so i really appreciate being here you are amazing and so humble sergio seriously you're incredible i mean the work that you've done and just i can't wait to get into all of that i have to start at the baseline question which is one of my favorites which is what inspired you on your journey to where you are today, my friend? I think I was led there. I think I was guided and I had the good fortune of starting a life in the arts from the age of five. So with the encouragement of my mother, of course, who I think admitted to me recently that, you know, she wanted to live out her childhood dreams of being in music through me because she didn't have the courage. She was terribly shy and and had some not so great experiences in the church where kind of you know, her musical life kind of evolved. And as a result, I was pushed on stage from a very, very early age. And that's where I discovered debilitating anxiety, fear, panic, but also elation, like all those things all wrapped up in this, in the magic of the arts. You know, it started really much in music and then it evolved into theater, which became a refuge for me and a place to kind of hide and reconnect with myself. It felt familiar if that makes sense. And I just remember sitting alone in, you know, in my room in the dark, listening to albums, to records. I had this little cool vinyl record player and I would just play them over and over again. And it was magical. It was transformative. So I would disappear in my imagination. And, and that really saved me in many ways. I absolutely love that, Sergio. Thank you for sharing that. What's really interesting, so you were pushed in at the age of five. So tell me like the first experience that you remember in the arts. <laughs> I'll go back at the Wayback Machine and remember that the first time was I was we were in our family room and this I hear a knock at the door and this guy shows up with this big ass accordion and I was just like what the hell is that and he puts it in my lap and he says try this and I start playing and amazing sounds came out of it that was like my first exposure to it until I realized that I loved girls from a very early age and, and the accordion wasn't super cool so I quickly transitioned out of that into vocal training. And that took me on the uh, on my musical journey. That's incredible. So as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? A singer? I didn't know quite. I, I mean, I remember having magic shows and in my backyard and charging money for it. And, and I remember being <laughs> obsessed with space. Like, you know, I remember being around the pool table. I don't even remember where we were. And I just remember saying, I want to be an astronomer. And I was interested in space. I was definitely interested in movies, but that was like, that may as well have been Mars. There was no link or connection to that world. So yeah. And then, you know, when I first experienced debilitating anxiety, I was in the backseat of the car and we were going to a recital where I had won first place at the Royal Conservatory of Music, which I should have been excited about, but I was terrified. And when I finally got to the performance, I lost my voice. I was so scared that I couldn't speaker and I couldn't sing. And I got on stage and my vocal coach kind of talked me through that. And I start the performance and I just remember 
how I felt just being lost in the music. And then afterwards, the applause, the gratifying kind of like response that I got from the audience, I got addicted to that feeling of like, wow, I could change people's state that easily or that quickly. So I pushed through the uncomfort. And once I got to the other side, that's where the all the magic was. And the second time I remember that happening was I, I had the lead role in the play Annie. And it was the same kind of thing. It's like, how am I going to memorize 40 pages of monologues? And same kind of thing is, you know, I, I'm backstage just freaking out. And as soon as I step on the stage, I became someone else. So I, I think that was a way of overcoming things that I was dealing with. And it was also very empowering. So I, I knew I wanted to be in entertainment in some form. And it's such a privilege to be able to do what you love. I absolutely love that. And I mean, what's really interesting. So we have a bit of parallels, if you will, which is so funny. <laughs> so so well, besides I- the hair. I had that exact same, exact same hair, so maybe the hair. <laughs> it's a European thing, my friend. You know, Italy is right across from Albania. Yes, we are yeah. cousins some way, somehow. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. What's really interesting is, so I was in, I was like entertaining when I was young too. So I would literally like sing and dance at family parties. Like you know, my girls and I, like my best friends, we would like do choreography and dancing and singing and like all these things. And I remember the same gratifying experience of like the crowd just like going nuts and like having fun with that. And then just like that energy was like fed you well beyond that stage, right? Like right well beyond like that performance. And like you just remember that and like changing how those people felt at that moment of time was like the coolest thing in the whole wide world. So I resonated a lot with that when you mentioned that. And it's really interesting because I can't sing for the life of me. I was not professionally <laughs> trained. Like there was not like, you don't even want to hear it. Like I won't even, I won't even, we won't even go there. <laughs> but, but like, it's just so cool <laughs> to hear your story with that and how you got serious anxiety from that as well. Because even to this date, even though I'm like literally a public speaker now, I still have, I feel it all in the chest, like right beforehand. And you're just like, you're nervous and people just think you're like this amazing pro. And it's like, oh no, I get, I get anxious too. You know what I mean? Like even the greatest still, fight through that every day so I love that you fought through that even at a young age it's really cool and inspiring yeah it's uh I think it was Al Pacino that said if it doesn't scare you it's not worth doing I've heard that a few different times throughout my life in different places but that's kind of how I pick projects too right like if it doesn't challenge me or if I'm not terrified then it's it's just like if it's too easy then it's just not worth doing yeah hundred percent. You've had quite a trajectory because like what you've done and accomplished so far is like unbelievable. And I know if your future is even, even brighter, like you're just going to continue to elevate. So walk me through like your early years, like in your career, like post high school, like what was high school like? And then after that, like how did you transition into the professional world and, and what have you? Yeah. Thanks for the question. Because when I reflect back, it, it's like, you know, I typically compartmentalize and keep the past in the past. But once in a while, it's nice to look back and and really celebrate those wins as well. And it's interesting, we can almost not rewrite history, but we are the architects of our life. So it's, you know, it's interesting when you look at a family with various siblings, how we remember the past so differently. So I I try to remember the past fondly and, uh, and look at the highlight reel, you know, with a positive spin. But yeah, in high school, I joined a a rock band or a cover band. And, you know, we started performing. And, you know, when I was kind of like the beginning and the end was we did a performance in front of 10,000 people. And I still have like one snapshot of that moment. 
And when it's one of those moments that I'll never forget, it's such a high to be able to affect people in that way, true exchange, right? So again, it was one of those moments where I was just lost in space, lost in my in my feelings and my emotions. And, and it was really amazing. So from there, we, we started a record label and we started producing other artists. So I spent a lot of time in dark rooms and studios and I found that really gratifying. I think when the turning point was when we were at a record label and they were making decisions based on physiology and like physical attributes of various artists and didn't care what they sounded like. I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm out. So that was the turning point and I never looked back. So that kind of like when I gave up music and around the same time, I had a, a number of small businesses. One of them was promoting Canadian fashion designers and selling vintage clothing and all hustling to try to get closer to my dream, which was at that time making movies. And the way that that happened was that I met a director who had like a sprinkler company and he's like, I made a movie. And like now it's in at that time video stores and it was out there. And I'm like, I thought only Hollywood made movies so that a light bulb went off. I'm like, well, if he can do it, then I can do it. So he took me under his wing and seduced me. And then like, I don't know, two, three years later, we, we didn't make a dime. You know, every like sort of it was like a mirage. It's like, oh, so and so star is interested. And, you know, I get all excited and nothing materialized. Then finally, I'm like, I'm just going to make my own film. And so I put an ad in the paper and I said, you know, I have this vision, this dream to make a movie. We don't have a budget, but if you're interested, email me at this email address or whatever. And 100 people responded. So we had a meeting and I think in the end, we had about 50 that showed up to volunteer their time. And, yeah. you know, we were given 35 millimeter film and cameras and there was a cafe chain and the owner was this incredible Greek entrepreneur. And he said, I believe in you and here's a check for $10,000. Go make your movie. And that was kind of how it started. And that movie ended up premiering at the Egyptian theater in Hollywood. And once that happens, it kind of like spoiled me. It kind of hooked me in and I'm like, I can't do anything else. So it's kind of like a, a blessing and a curse because, you know, it's it's not like I can just take up carpentry or, or well, I guess I could. But, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's become a lifelong passion since then. I love that, Sergio. I mean, there's so many things about your story that I really adore. The fact that your mom kind of spoke it into you into being in the arts at such a young age as an, almost an extension of herself, which I find really beautiful and that you stepped into it at such a young age and like found yourself when you talk about like getting lost in the music and like basically like that was your that was like your savior. Like that's like me, too. It's like my meditation space. If you consider, sure. if you consider like driving around in your car with the music blasting, that is my definition of meditation in a, in a nutshell, right? You get so lost and all you hear is the vibrations of the music and your mind is nowhere else, but in that energy sphere. And like, it's just, there's nothing like it. And it's the most beautiful thing ever. So like, as you're speaking, I can like feel it right here. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I can only imagine how you felt when, when that came alive. Like I can only imagine what you felt like when you got those hundred emails back. Cause you're like, okay, well, here's a shot in the dark. Let me just put this out in the paper. And like, <laughs> right. people responded. Right. But the thing that I really love about that is like, it takes so much courage to do that. Most people wouldn't even bother. They stop before they start. Like yeah. you get in the way. Whereas you didn't, you were like, let me just put it out there what's the worst that could happen? And like, it would be awesome to hear your thought process behind doing that. And like, just like how you went about it. Cause I think that's so awesome. Cause that that's an act of courage within itself to just 
make yourself vulnerable and be like, Hey, listen, like we're not funded, but here's my vision and here's what it is. And to put it in a paper, like, I just think that's so remarkable. Yeah. It's when I look back, I didn't know what I was doing was unique. I was kind of forced into that kind of mindset because when I was in university, my dad pushed me to go to law school. And, and when I was there, I had a horrible time, just kind of like inner conflict. Like, what am I doing here? I'm living a lie. I don't want to be here. And around the same time, I had debilitating anxiety, which I've only started talking about recently. Like it's, it was one of those dark secrets that I overcame to the point where I couldn't leave my house. There was a point where I was just so anxious, having panic attacks on a regular basis. And in those days, it wasn't cool. It wasn't like a badge of honor where you could say, well, I have this thing that's going on and I had to hide it from my friends, from family. And I figured it out. So the way I figured it out is pushing through that fear. So when I would feel the fear, I would do it anyway and just do a little more and do a little more. And, and it wasn't only me. I had some brilliant people that I met along the way that helped me through that. And I never looked back. Like once I broke through, I never had a panic attack since. I do feel nervous at times like everyone else and that's healthy. But that wiring of, oh my God, I feel fear, but I'm going to do it anyway is why I forged on with the film. And I, I remember doing an interview around the same time and Someone said, you know, why did you do this? And I said, it's what you don't know that gets you through, right? Like I had no idea what the challenges would have been or how to make a movie or what, you know, like nothing. And also I have to say, there was a lot of doors we knocked on, you know, got slammed shut. It wasn't like, you know, that investor was the first person I ever met. There was like a hundred others that said no. And I really connected to him and I didn't, you know, I wasn't trained in sales pitches or you know what I mean? Like closing and, and all that. I just told him my story and he aligned with it. And, and that was it. And you know, that strategy I've used ever since there's days when I don't want to get out of bed. Am I crazy? I, I chose the most challenging business on the planet. And in my business, you rely on 200 people, you know, at the end of the day to come together and we're all rowing in the same direction. It's like the odds are uh, often stacked against you, but you can't think that way. You know, you just have to, be committed to the vision and keep going. That's essentially what it is. I appreciate you letting us know that, Sergio. Like, you know, because that's one thing, like the mental health thing is is a big one, right? Like nobody talks about it. I mean, thank God we're, more people are opening up more because more and more people are healing and it's beautiful. So I appreciate you sharing that. But like, you know, I, I've dealt with my own fair share, you know, family members that I love dearly that I watch in that condition. And you always try to help and try mm -hmm. to, out like what can I do to help them and then when you're going through it yourself like what is the root cause of like what's happening here and you know I'm sure that there's people listening that that have dealt with something similar or know somebody who is what advice would you give in that moment when you're trying to break free like you said like you had to push yourself to get to that next level so what would be your advice to someone who's listening that I'm careful with giving advice because what works for me might not work yeah. for the next person but I can only share my experience I learned that one, there was nothing wrong with me. I was just a sensitive, intuitive person and to embrace that. So what I thought was a curse growing up because I was bullied because of it and went through all kinds of challenges because of being that sensitive person, that ended up being my superpower. So as a film director, as an artist, that's like what you need is to be intuitive and sensitive and compassionate. So those qualities actually help. So that was the first thing is just self-love and acknowledgement of those traits. And the second thing was not being defined by it. So I was very careful about using labels. I would never use a label like I'm a depressed person or 
I suffer from anxiety or I am this or I am that. I, I don't use those labels. I never did. So that's very important. You're not a depressed person. You do depression. You're experiencing feelings that may seem might put you in that category, but you have to acknowledge that you're going to be on the other side of that at some point and you have to push through and get help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. If I were to do it over again, I would have told more people. You know, everything happens for a reason. I think if I would have told more people, they would have given me extra love and compassion and attention and I might have gotten addicted to being in that state. So I, I don't know. Looking back, I think it just happened the way it was supposed to. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing it. Because, you know, just different insights, you know, might might help different people, different perspectives. So I absolutely love what you just shared. It's incredible. I mean, just just your trajectory and your journey. And what I also really love about your story is that Greek guy who became your investor, who was like your cheerleader. I always find some of the most remarkable people in this life. And when they share their stories, there's always that one or two, like at least one cheerleader in their life that pushed them, that said, I believe in you, keep going. That literally creates the most pivoting moment of life, right? Because had he not done that, do you think you'd still be in film? Probably not. It takes an army. It really does. And it's not just the investor it was the the guy who gave us the equipment you know he said pull up a truck and take whatever you want so we had cameras lights all that stuff it was the actors that agreed to do it and graciously indulged me with their time and their patience because some of them were older and had been around and they're like you know here's this kid like what the hell you know they don't even know how to put a camera together like it was funny there were moments on set where somebody pulled out a hammer and was smashing it and, and this older actress very mature actress pulls me aside and says, all the years I've been on set, I've never seen a hammer on set. You know, like, what are you guys doing? There were all those experiences. But yeah, it does take an army and it does take mentors and people to kind of encourage you along the way. And it's like Steven Spielberg says, you know, those voices whisper, they don't shout. So you have to really pay attention. And I realized looking back that every time I wanted to give up, somebody, one of those whispers would come around or I would meet someone at the grocery store or someone or I'd read a sign on the street that would say, keep going. Like there was always some thing that keeps pushing you forward, but you have to pay attention. I absolutely love that. Yeah, the cheerleader or the cheerleaders, I like to call them. And like you said, those were the whispers, which I adore. My goodness, I love it. And so past that film, so walk me through the trajectory of past that point yeah there was we formed a company i met my partner on that first film when several so-called producers came on board and, and i realized they wanted to sit around drinking martinis more than they wanted to produce you know at the end of the day i'm like we need money we need crew we need stuff what's happening so i met alessandra and uh, we formed a company and our dream was to make a feature film we heard of this fund that had opened up and we happened to have a slate of projects and we pitched one, two, three, and it was no, no, no. And we had developed this film project that was originally a documentary. So one door closed, let's just say that. So somebody encouraged us to come up with the pitch and the whole thing and then ended up stealing part of that project and doing their own, which was very hurtful. But we had this pitch document. So I pitched it to this this funding broadcaster and he said, we had dinner and he said, yeah, I love this, you know, bring this in. And I said, but are you interested in financing it as a documentary he said yeah yeah we only do documentary you know so i said okay fine so it was just one of those lightning in a bottle moments where there was no questions asked it was like you know two hundred fifty thousand or whatever it was just barely enough to do a documentary and we took that and we said how can we 
take this money and make a feature film. We do the unthinkable. We make a feature film with, you know, hundreds of extras, chickens, horses, period piece with costumes and everything. Shoot it in 14 days, rebuild an entire downtown 1911 Little Italy in Northern Ontario in Canada. And again, when I look back, I don't know how we did that. But anyways, months go by. and The broadcaster's like, how's the documentary going? I go, oh, amazing. So we finished this feature film and then we hand it to him and say, by the way, we took the money and made a feature film. He's like, what? We don't know how to, we're not in the feature film business. So anyway, that's how I got my first film made. And they did very well, obviously. The film did phenomenally well. It ended up hitting movie theaters in Canada and it was beating out like Denzel Washington's Inside Man. And like we were hitting number one on all the box office charts and Cineplex from LA, like the theater chain calls and says, who the hell are these people? What is this little film? And so that's kind of how my feature film career started. And it was all by not knowing anything, just without seeing limitations because we didn't have any context for being reasonable we were totally unreasonable and a lot of that was the impact piece it wasn't a film that was just made there was a lot of heart in it it was about an italian woman her murder her abusive husband on easter sunday she was in a domestically violent situation and it was like the oj trial of 1911 there was over a million petitions sent to our capital to have her life saved in 1911 and that sparked a frenzy of support and interest in retelling her story because it shined a light on something that is really prevalent in society. So it was that impact piece that drove the box office. It wasn't that there was a huge Hollywood star in it or anything like that. It was like this story means something to that community and to society in general. I absolutely love that. Tony Robbins talks about being resourceful. He's like the greatest people in the world. They're the ones that can be resourceful. And that's exactly what you did. You know, you took that 250 and you're like, all right, well, how can we be resourceful and, and take it to the next level? <laughs> right. Go, right. Which I love that. Right. Like I almost it's almost much more fun playing within the confines of a box because you're forced to get creative. That is for sure. Every single film has been that way. The Colossal was done on a credit card. We got the star of the movie attached. We were having barbecue in the summer and by September we were shooting. We didn't have a clue where we were going to get the money, how we're and I didn't want to disappoint him. So we took out our credit card and said, how are we going to make a movie for $45,000? And so I can't even teach that to anybody because it's so just so outlandish. It's so ridiculous. But we did it. And it's a lot of beg, borrow and steal. It's like we, we did a movie in wine country. So every winery contributed their winery and all their wine and their food. And we partnered with the local college. So they their culinary department practiced on us. So they fed us every day. And so they're, you know, it's just building those strategic partnerships, but not a lot of people we discovered are willing to do that work. You know, we had a lot of producers throughout our career walk away and say, you can't do this. This is not, there's just not enough resources or money or time or whatever the thing is. And, and we just did it anyway. I absolutely love that. Well, because one of the biggest limitations, you know, I can envision someone could be listening to this, you know, and they look at your portfolio and your background and they're just like, Sergio had it made. Oh, good. Look at what he's involved in. Like, I'm sure he had a ton of money and did this, this, and this, and this, this, and this. You literally just gave us like the most humble beginnings. Yeah. We had to figure it out. Like, just like entrepreneurs do in the very beginning. What do you do? You use whatever resources that you have. Right. So, which yeah. I find is so remarkable. Yeah. And even most recently, I mean, we had one of the producers of the Cuban just say, this is not possible. So what we learned is no matter how much money you have, if people have those limiting beliefs, 
whether you have 1 million, 10 million or a hundred, there's always someone who's going to say there's just not enough money or time. And you have to either tune those voices out. You know, I remember when we finished the film, somebody had said, you got to limit your expectations, you know, limit your expectations. I said, please don't ever say that to me again. As soon as we limit our expectations, there's no point in getting out of bed. You know, I have to see the world limitless. And that little film ended up, you know, running an Oscar nomination race and being released during a pandemic and whatever, whatever. It takes a ton of tenacity and yeah, almost delusion, you know, because you have to tune out all the voices that say, we've done this a hundred times and it's not possible. And you have to say, yep, thank you. And just keep going. You have in such an incredible mindset. And like, I feel like you've had to break through a lot of self-limiting beliefs, which I love, 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 love. Walk me through your thought process. You just shared it a little bit. When you say you have to tune everybody else out, like, how do you do that? Because some people struggle, you know, they're like with the self-limiting beliefs. And that's really, that is what creates fear. And then the fear is what blocks everyone from achieving their truest potential, right? Because of all of that. So if we can tune out those self-limiting beliefs, we avoid that whole fear factor, I like to call it. So walk me through like your mindset and what you kind of go through play by play in your mind to tune all of it out. Yeah. So I was lucky. When you talk about mindset, a lot of film directors or artists have no idea what we're talking about. So I had the good fortune of being surrounded by people that knew what that was. And when I was dealing with panic attacks and everything else, I discovered Deepak Chopra and Dr. Wayne Dyer and, and Tony Robbins and, and many others. And in those days, we had cassette tapes. So I'd walk around my business at the time and, and I'd have headphones on. I just listened to it over and over and over and over again. It's not the be all end all. It's not like you can do all the seminars in the world, but you still have to be able to implement that in your life. It wasn't until the pandemic that I realized this is a daily practice. Mindset is, it's like working out at the gym. You have to work out your mind every single day. And, uh, you know, whether it's today or last week or, you know, every time there's an announcement in the news and another lockdown, it's discipline, right? And the other thing I'd say is that you're, dream your vision has to be much bigger than the, than your fear or perceived limitations so my dreams were so huge that the screen in my mind was kind of like overwhelmed by the dream so when those fears would come up it just it was just like you know overwhelmed by the dream so the the fears just kind of dissipate and it, it, some of it is just playing with your own mind like when you walk into a room you have to role play you have to almost, I used to think it was like fake it till you make it, but it's not that. It's just be it. Be it now. If you want to be a, a ballerina, be the, be the ballerina on the subway, uh, in the restaurant. You have to carry yourself in a certain way and just be that. Period. It's a choice. Absolutely love that. And just got chills when you said when you said that. You have to be it. You don't have to fake it till you make it. You are it. That's Period. it. The decision. Yeah. That's so yeah. Oh my God. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Sergio. And I mean, you mentioned now the your most recent project, which is the mm -hmm. Cuban. So talk to me about that, how that sort of sparked in your world and where it's at now and what it's all about, too, because I don't want to give away too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you the truncated version. So for about five years, there was this mini studio group that I was a part of led by, I guess, a high profile billionaire and. There was an office in Beverly Hills and I was doing the L.A. thing. And I was involved in this project called Arctic Dogs with some huge stars. And it was very gratifying on so many levels. But I burnt out. It was like I was just a small cog in a massive wheel. And there was nobody driving the bus some of the times like because we didn't know anything about animation. No one did. So we were just kind of figuring it out. It was trial by fire. And um, 
towards the end of that, because it was such a long production schedule, I said, I need to get back to directing passion projects, projects that I drive where I'm in control. And, and around the same time, I actually met an Albanian Canadian actress and singer from Degrassi, Anagolia. And we were at a party or at, at an industry event. And her mom's like, here's my daughter. And we start talking. And, and I said, let's find something to work on together. And it was a few months later, her and her partner at the time brought me this uh, short film project. And it was based on this young man's experience with his grandfather in Russia. And so I remember I was at the studio wrapping up the animation movie and I said, we'll do a short film, no stakes, no pressure of stars and distribution. Let's just do a short film just for the joy of doing the creative work that we just love to do. And one of my mentors once said to me, regardless of what's going on in the world or the industry, you can always be creative. Nobody can stop you. So, so that's really how it started. And from a short film, it evolved into a feature film. And then we got Oscar award-winning actor Lugasa Jr. And one of my absolute favorite actresses, Shori Agdashlu and Lauren Hawley, who I used to love in Dumb and Dumber and like all these incredible actors that I, I just grew up loving and being in awe of. And it just kind of, uh, man, it's, it was just like a whirlwind, to be honest. It was one of those projects that just pulled us. And every time, you know, like an investor fell through and another one showed up hours before the whole thing fell apart. That's why you got to believe, in, you know, the notion of faith and things happen for a reason. You, even when it's the scariest, you have to commit to the faith because that'll carry you through. So we were on this trajectory, this path of film festivals and winning awards. And then a global pandemic hits and we're like, damn, now what? You know, like, so there was a week where we were just like defeated. We we're just tired. We we're just like, just forget it. Three years of work. Let's just move on to the next. What are you going to do? And then we just started getting busy again, just finding ways like, okay, if everything's locked down, why don't we do our, our gala at a drive-in? If drive-ins are open, we'll, we'll do it that way. And in the U.S., it was it was virtual cinema. So, you know, there was an example when like Time Magazine was was doing a feature on it. They didn't know what virtual cinema was. So there's there, there was this whole like major pivoting happening and journalists not even knowing what it was because of all that. We came in through the back door and like suddenly this this film, this little engine that could ends up winning, uh, running an Oscar nomination race. And, you know, I remember just sitting there opening the variety and them saying, top 20 or top 50 picks or whatever the cuban lugasa jr shariag dashlu as their predicted predictions you know for that year so it was crazy the whole thing was crazy when i think back that's incredible oh my god to make it up to oscars nominations that is incredible but see again resourcefulness drive-ins instead of you know like i love the pivot i love the pivot mindset that you're in like it's <laughs> no choice <laughs> you had no choice right but it's just so fascinating it's just so fascinating to me how you were able to do that. Oh my goodness. I'll take that back. I mean, we did have a choice. The choice was to do nothing. I just didn't want to accept that because uh, we had come so far. I didn't tell you what the film's about. So I'll yes, <laughs> start good. with that. <laughs> so the why was so important. So it's about an elderly gentleman who meets this young nurse in a nursing home. Through their interactions, they form this unlikely relationship. And through, we learned that he has Alzheimer's and through the power of music, he starts to come back to life through their interactions. So it's a really tender, beautiful story. It's even though we're dealing, tackling Alzheimer's and elderly care, uh, we do it in a fun way. So using Afro-Cuban jazz, Hilario Duran, who's 
world-renowned uh, Cuban pianist did the music. So it's definitely a fun ride. And, and I think it touched on, you know, something that a lot of people were thinking about, which is, you know, our nursing homes and how we treat our elderly. So, you know, again, it's the timing and, and we were all personally connected to it. So, you know, I'd lost my father around the same time. So for me, that movie was an homage to him and, and a way of honoring his memory. So. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, Sergio. I mean, I can't wait to actually see it. I definitely want to. I'm super excited about that. I mean, I love the beauty and how you incorporate all of your lessons and your visions into what you do and you pour it out. And it's just, it's so incredible. I can't even tell you. And one of my biggest questions for you, and this is my favorite question, which is, you know, what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? Oh, that's easy. Relax, have fun it's going to be okay. I live without regret. Like I live life to the fullest and I strive to create a life I don't need a vacation from. And I think I've been successful in doing that. But uh, my only tiny regret is that I didn't have more fun. It's going to be okay. It's, you're not going to run out of food. You're not going to die. Most likely just relax, enjoy it. That would be the biggest advice and believe in yourself because the, the self-doubt will take years off your life. And only slow you down that erodes your dreams so if you have a big dream in your head every time you have that self-doubt pop up it's just slowing you down yes amen amen and hearing your story there's no way that anyone can stop this wonderful man sergio it doesn't wear on me i have to admit because it doesn't match the vision that i had in my head for you know what democracy looks like what this country is and stands for and there's like misalignments which cause confusion it's just like what the hell is going on and but you know we have a choice to focus on i don't watch the news at all i don't pay attention to headlines at all we are the directors of our own movie so i'm trying to create a compelling movie that i can be proud of and that my my son can be proud of who's only nine and i have to be an example for him I absolutely love that, Sergio. And I mean, I'm thinking you got something up your sleeve in 2022, given no matter what the situation is, I, with your resourcefulness and everything in the past and, and your mindset, like I know something amazing is, is happening in 2022. So what's going on in your world um, within the next six to 12 months? Yeah. So we have an exciting slate of projects. We were working on optioning New York bestselling book that we want to turn into a movie and a series. We're developing another TV series. There's a movie that I'm doing in South Africa, which I'm super excited about. And a big part of our time now is spent on innovation and predicting the future of content creation and content consumption. So we're very excited about the meta and NFTs and crypto and, and just trying to figure out new and clever ways that we could engage people in the way that they consume content. I love that. I can't wait to see what manifests from 2022 for you, my friend. Honestly, I just, I love your story. I love everything that you're about, everything you embody. And I'm sure you. your son is going to grow up one day and be like, my dad is a freaking rock star. I'm sure he knows that already, but he, he's got to keep me humble. Super humble. But <laughs> this morning I said to him, this is interesting because we, I don't talk about mindset. I mean, I'm just, I'm just his dad, you know, but I said, how do you define failure? And he said, as a blessing. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it teaches us the way how to not do something. And I was just like, how does a nine-year-old, like, I didn't even know how to spell failure at nine, you know, like they're just moving so fast. So he's, he's definitely my guru, my, my mentor, my teacher. So he came into my life for a reason. 
I absolutely love that, Sergio. I absolutely love that. He sounds like an old soul, and I love that. He is. Absolutely. <laughs> he is. Wow. Wow. I'm just excited to see everything that manifests in the future. I mean, you've already done so much. You've impacted so many lives through your work. I'm like, I just what's coming next is going to be super exciting. So now you've got to let everyone know where to find you and your awesomeness. Yeah. So Sergio Navaretta on Instagram, I'm active on that Facebook for sure. And then Sergio Navaretta director.com is my home and where all my stuff is and things coming up. So appreciate that. And I appreciate being here. This is like amazing. You've inspired me as always, you know, someone who's that entrepreneurial and that focused at your age. I mean, you know, I told you my story. I didn't know where I was when I was your age and you've already accomplished so much. So appreciate the being in your presence. I appreciate you, my friend. And it's such an honor. And I, you know, I learned so much throughout this process and I just adored hearing your story and all that you're up to and what you're going to continue to do. Can't wait to see that manifest, but thank you so, so much for being here today. I can't tell you how grateful I am. You are amazing. So that's it for today's episode of underdog catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate, or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is over time, working like some underdogs.